0: Welcome to the Transforming Lives Podcast, where we celebrate how God is at work in the hearts and minds of individuals and families whose lives have been transformed by excellent Christ-centered education. I am your host, Dr. Andy Goodwin, and it is my honor to share these inspiring stories for your encouragement and for the advancement of the kingdom. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I am here with Todd Scoggins, a Covenant dad and husband to Heather, dad to Jack, who is a senior this year. Todd is an architect, a photographer, a consultant, and does so many other projects for the kingdom and for the good of those that he works with. So Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here glad that you can make it. To start off with,
1: what is true and good and beautiful in your life right now? That's a great question. God's provision is has been amazing in my life and in the life of my family, always, of course. But in these years here, most recently, it's become very clear and very obvious that God is providing for and guiding, comforting, counseling, it's an interesting season for our family. With We have an older daughter. She's moved out of the house, and she's getting on her own, and Jack's a senior now, so different seasons in life. Recently, I had a, a health challenge about two and a half years ago. Always perfectly healthy, I, I thought, until uh, about two and a half years ago. I just got back from Tanzania, and we don't know what happened, but the working theory is that when I was in Tanzania, I encountered some kind of virus or bug or something, it was otherwise harmless, but it just triggered my immune system to go haywire. My immune system started attacking my central nervous system. And within a week I was numb from the chest down and walking was getting difficult and I was feeling this weird burning pain and neurological something, right? So I called a friend of mine, I said, okay, I think I need a neurologist. And I told him my symptoms. He said, no, you need to get to the ER now. So I went to the ER and over here at IU West, and they said, we're glad you came in because you described this as ascending from your feet up to your chest now. Is that right? And I said, yeah, that's right. And they said, we're glad you came in because we're concerned that it could have gotten to your diaphragm and affected your ability to breathe. I thought, okay, now you have my attention, right? Hmm. Long story short, it was a surprise. And it was, it was a sudden wake-up call to me and wasn't sure what the future was going to be. And didn't know where that's because to this day, they still don't know what caused it. And they don't know what it is. They don't know if it'll happen again. They don't know if it's something chronic or if it was a one and done. Mainstream medicine has no idea what caused it. And so I've had to rely a lot on prayer, on God's providence, on his guidance, on his brilliant design of the human body. And also leaning into uh, some functional medicine ideas And nutrition and exercise and basically treating the body like the the temple that it's designed to be and letting God's design heal me. So long story short, here I am today. I'm doing fine. I'm healed for the most part. I'm healed. I've got some, probably some permanent damage in my central nervous system that causes all, all sorts of weird responses in my body from time to time. It seems to evolve from sleep is difficult to just this burning pain that I've got in this one leg to sleeping is unique because I my whole body responds in a funny way when I'm lying in bed. I describe it like I'm sleeping in a burlap sack. Mm. That's how it, That's how it feels, just this constant prickly feeling all over my body. So it's uncomfortable. It's not painful, but it's uncomfortable. And it's taught me to rely on God, and it's taught me that you're going to have, and I, I say suffering with the air quotes, right? You're going to have suffering, discomfort, challenges. Just because we're Christians and we're believers and we are followers of Jesus does not mean that we're not going to have real challenges in life yeah, or potential yeah. real health challenges. Now, people have had much worse in the way of health challenges what I've encountered. But it has helped me to realize that this life is very temporary. Hmm. And it focuses on a kingdom mindset, knowing that healing will come for all of us. Healing will come in when we reach eternity. And Jesus said it, literally that in this life we're going to have trouble, but hang in there. I've overcome the world. I've overcome all those troubles. I'll provide for you. You see God's righteousness, and everything that you need in life will be provided to you in the way hmm. of food and clothing and it's given me a testimony that I can share with folks. Whenever I encounter folks who are dealing with challenges, I hope it's given me a story that I can share and help bring comfort to somebody else by helping them to know, have faith in God's plan for your life. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be an easy road in life, Mm -hmm. but God's plan is a perfect plan And he will provide. And that's what he's done for us. He's provided. It's interesting. I I mentioned before we started this that uh, in my design studios, I'm busier right now than I, I have been in years, really. That's interesting because I've been very busy for many years. Heather will tell you, I rarely get a break. Except when this little health thing hit me two and a half years ago it was really interesting. All of a sudden, my schedule just cleared. I did nothing to make that happen. It was just all of a sudden, I realized all my projects were done. They're in the field. They're under construction. Nobody really needs me right now. The phone stopped ringing, emails. Nobody needed me for about six months, which had never happened in the previous 15 years. But all of a sudden, it just got quiet. And it was, I dare say to put words in in the Lord's mouth, if I could imagine what he might be trying to tell me, it's, Todd, I'm going to clear your schedule for a while because you and I need to have some time to talk. Mm. And and it was exactly that for me For ever since, really. <laughs> yeah. It's changed, how, it changed my relationship and the way I interact with the Lord, and it has really focused that priority in my life to spend time on my knees and in prayer, seeking His guidance, seeking His counsel, and making sure that I'm staying on that narrow path. Yeah, and yeah. has that affected your interaction with others as well yeah it has because i've learned the value of prayer and the value of accepting unanswered prayers because hmm. i prayed for healing total healing that's what i want you know i was i, I want a total healing from this and well total healing has not come but i've learned something much more valuable and i've i've learned that you know, we're not always going to have our prayers answered in fact probably most of the time our prayers won't be answered because most of the time we are praying from a a posture of our flesh nature. We're praying for what we want. We forget sometimes what God wants. And so when I changed my prayers and prayed for God's will in my life, that changed everything. When Mm -hmm. I let go of what I thought I wanted and gave myself over to God's will, that changed everything. Wow.
0: Amen. So maybe related, maybe not. Mm One passage of scripture that you have been <clears throat> dwelling on recently, and what does it say?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Isaiah 64, 8. Uh, Yet yeah, you are our father. We're the clay. You're the potter. We're all the works of your hand. Uh, that's been on my mind a lot lately because my studio is Claiborne Studios. That's my media studio, but it's on purpose. It's a family name. My grandfather's middle name was Claiborne. My dad's middle name was Claiborne. It's not my middle name. My mom thought it was a goofy-sounding name, so she wouldn't allow it. But it is Jack's middle name. I brought mm-hmm. it back in the family with my son, so it skipped a generation. But Claymore, I thought it was a cool-sounding name. But I've repurposed it uh, and, and leaned into it with biblical references, Clay. The clay in the soil, many times Clay is referred to. And we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. We are pottery in in the Lord's hands. It reminds me of my place in God's kingdom. It reminds me that that I serve a great God Mm. and that I am not that God, right? Which is what the world wants me to think right? world wants us to believe we are gods of our own u- universes, and we're not. We're not. When we surrender ourselves to God's sovereignty and his authority in our life, and we recognize that we are but clay in his hands, but he's going to make something great, he'll use our lives and use us for something wonderful if we surrender to that. And surrender has been, yeah, surrender, we don't want to surrender our lives Mm-mm. do we Mm-mm. we don't and have i surrendered 100% i know i haven't i know i still have my own flesh desires my own reservations and things that i want to do that do not perfectly align with god's will i know i still struggle with that but this that's the lifelong journey of sanctification that the holy spirit will do with us moving us closer and closer to that that perfect vision we'll never achieve that perfect vision but i think what i'm saying it's that lifelong journey but I surrendered my life to the Lord, and at least for me, my life has been more exciting since, Mm. at least in my experience. The opportunities that the Lord has put in front of me to travel, to see the world, to be involved in different aspects of of God's kingdom, that's been wonderful, and it's been exciting for me. Life's been an adventure for me. And it can be that either traveling the world or it can be that right here in our communities. Life will be an adventure if we surrender ourselves to the Lord and the plans and the opportunities that he has for us. Okay. I'm hearing you talk a lot
0: about a kingdom mindset, Mm -hmm. doing things for the kingdom, and being faithful where you are, whether way over. We can't even see it from here to Mm -hmm. right across the street. You obviously haven't stopped traveling relative to your pause Mm -hmm. and God time induced by that illness. So bringing that back a little bit locally into the Christian schooling context, Mm -hmm. why have you and Heather chosen Christian
1: schooling and what has that meant to your family? It's been, it's meant everything to our family to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make sure that our, both our daughter Savannah and our son Jack have an opportunity to interact with other believers in school, in his community, on, on the cross country team, to live in that community, um, because we need to support each other in this world. We do. This is a world that it is becoming increasingly uh, hostile to the Christian worldview and to believers, and it's going to be increasingly difficult for believers to stand their ground and to stand on their faith in this world. And so, being able to support one another first is uh, is is, is going to be critical. That's what I love doing: supporting other believers that support me. And now that I, I'm encouraging our son to find those relationships here in this school, those other boys on his cross-country team, perhaps, or just the other boys in his class, that, that he can develop those relationships with and be able to talk with him about their faith, have those deep conversations that teenage boys don't typically have. But I'm trying to encourage him to do that, and I, I hope, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to set that example, um, because I, I share with him, look, son, I've got, I got buddies of mine, that hold me accountable. We go for coffee. We talk about our faith. We talk about the challenges in the world. We wrestle with some of these questions and we do hold each other accountable. And that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Men need that yeah. because men can be an island in this culture. We're encouraged to be that, right? Mm-hmm. Not to talk about our feelings and to be that stoic, strong, and we should be strong, but we also need brothers mm-hmm. around us. And yeah, this community here at Covenant has provided that,
0: Mm -hmm. So how did y'all begin your search for Christian education? How did you
1: land at Covenant during these four years? Yeah, the simple answer is probably geography. We live here on the west side, so this is it was close to us. But this is a school that's got a great reputation. So there's a great community here. Uh, the, the teachers are fantastic, and so that, that became obvious. It really was easy because not only geographically it's close to our house, but also it is a great school. And we came up through the Kingsway school community and I was on the school board there for for a few years. So it was a natural to continue those friendships for Jack's sake, right from Kingsway you know, right on into Covenant. Yeah, that's a simple answer to that one, really.
0: Yeah. I wonder if, and this is probably not uh, too fair of a question, but if it weren't uh, for geography, mm-hmm. if, if it were an hour away, and that's the closest Christian school to you and Heather, what would you all have considered? Would it, would it still be a, hey, we're, we're fully committed
1: to Christian education, uh, or would geography uh, play a bigger role? <laughs> wow. That's, okay, you're going to really—I I don't think geography would have been a hurdle if we had to drive an hour if this was the only christian school within an hour of our house i think we would still be coming here just looking at what looking at the chaos and the deception that i think is being taught i think we see it i think we see it in our news feeds i think we see it in media and i think it's critical right now for believers to really strongly consider a christian education so we can understand how to square up science with our faith, math with our faith. How do we learn the English language and pair that up with our faith? What kind of words do we use? How do we carry ourselves as believers? How do we learn things beyond just the reading, writing, arithmetic, but just integrity and relationships? And it's also the size is a benefit. It's a smaller school than some of the schools that are right around us. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because the students here, my son included, can can really find their place. I think there's an optimum size of a school. I'm trying to figure that out, having been on school boards and been involved with IUK campus up in Kokomo, and and I sat on the community board for a year for Ben Davis and helped them figure out what their 10-year plan was i did that years back so i've 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 been around enough to see big schools little schools higher education all that and i've figured out there's really an optimum size of of school i think this is it i really do i really think this is a good size of a student body where students can find their place find their friends and have an impact but not get lost in 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 a population that might be too large
0: okay so switching gears a little bit, Kay. what are the challenges of being a parent
1: mm-hmm.
0: of a high schooler?
1: <laughs> Just trying to find out what the day was like mm-hmm. because it was always good. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's to, good. <laughs> trying to get a little, trying to dig a little deeper into what what my what my son's day is like, and but at least that's always good. Okay, what are the challenges of high school? Adolescence is a challenging time for all of us. It was for me. It was, you know, it's an awkward period of life. And so trying to remember what I was like when I was Mm. 16, 17, 18 years old and what the world Mm -hmm. looked like to me, I've had to do that. I've had to think back about what I thought the world was like and how I thought I fit into the world so that I can begin to make sure I understand what my son thinks and the questions that he might have because it's too easy for me just to assume that he knows what I know or he sees the world the way I see it. Mm -hmm. No, he's not going to see the world the way I see it because we've lived two very different experiences. So I've got to continually... And Heather does too, of course, my wife. We have to continually remind ourselves what world is our son living in, Hmm. right? Hmm. And what does he not know yet? What has Hmm. he not experienced yet? What mistakes has he not made yet, right, Hmm. that we need to let him make? And, okay, that's probably another big challenge of a high school kid is – starting to launch them out of the nest, right? Mm -hmm. He's getting close to that age now. We need to start letting him make some mistakes, make some decisions on his own. And so that's a challenge is letting go, letting your son grow up.
0: So aside from some vocabulary that he may or may not have taught you, I'm trying to keep (laughs) up personally with my... Middle schooler, mm. what I can and can't say, and dad, that's nobody says that anymore. And <laughs> what, no, nothing's it, groovy? Right. Has there been something that, that he has shared with you that has maybe enlightened you
1: in a particular way? Oh, wow. Interesting. What's he shared with me that has enlightened me? We try to look through the world through his eyes. The world's so different now. With technology and social media and all of that, we've tried to figure out how do we navigate that? There's part of me that wants to not let your kids be exposed to social media until they're adults, right? Don't let them have the Internet. Don't have access to all that because of, there's just so much there that um, can be detrimental. And yet, how do we teach them how to manage that? All of a sudden, okay, so you, you shield them from all of that in the world for their adolescence, and then all of a sudden they become 18. You say, okay, well, now you're 18, now you can have access to all this. Now they don't how to. They don't know how to work it. They don't know how to manage it. They don't know how to use discernment. So we've decided to let them have some access while they're home, while we can guide. And we talk. I, we talk frankly about things. I ask him frankly about what does he see on the Internet and what he see in the world. And seeing the world through his eyes has been fun. Hmm. On the other side of that, because I do have a media studio, so I know a little bit about technology, and he was a little bit stumbling on something on his phone. I was hearing me see, it and I found the buttons and fixed it and made it work for him and handed his phone back, and he said, it's weird having a dad, that <laughs> the only dad that actually knows how to use technology. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not obsolete just yet. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Amazing. How do you all talk
0: about excellence and achievement and self-worth?
1: Yeah. I tell Jack, your integrity is uh, probably one of the most valuable characteristics you have. Guard that with everything you have. That's invaluable in this world, your integrity. It will open doors for you, and, if, and when you lose it, it'll close those same doors. It's We just know that. It's It takes a lot to build integrity, to build trust, and it takes only a minute to lose it. I've, we've tried to talk about that constantly. Integrity, how you interact with your teachers, the integrity you have dealing with your teachers, dealing with your fellow classmates, your teammates on the cross-country team, how you're going to deal with your boss and your manager when you get into the workforce. Integrity is paramount. The world tries to define who we are. Mm-hmm. And we also talk about who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ, meaning you have an audience of one. Mm-hmm. Right? I've mm-hmm. heard that expression, and that's, that's a great way to characterize it. We have an audience of one, we tell our son. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I mean, as long as you're living right, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, just what God thinks. And the world wants us to achieve at certain levels. You have to have this the certain degree. You have to have a certain income. You have to have a certain kind of house. Certain, you know, all, all of this, right? This is what the world – these are the expectations the world puts on us. And none of that really matters and if we in when we can't achieve those things if we can't achieve the education that we want to achieve if we can't achieve a certain income that others have it's okay are you living a life of integrity good honest work are you serving the kingdom are you sharing your testimony are, are you know, are we living out the great commission these are the things that actually matter god doesn't care how much money we make what kind of house we live in just who are we he knows our hearts which can be scary on this side but also you know, when the world wants to try to tell you that you're failing in some aspect of life, God knows, No, you're not. No, you're not. You're a child of mine. You bear the Imago Day. Hmm. You made the image of God. What the world tries to tell you doesn't matter, but your integrity is what is what matters. I learned that too with I'm from Kokomo originally and mm-hmm. my parents they're both passed away now, but they were developers, real estate developers in Kokomo. And my dad was a, he was a powerful personality and he was well known in the town at the time. And growing up, I, I felt this, oh, I'm living in the shadow of, of Dick Scoggins. That was my dad, right? People would ask me, who are you going to, you're going to work for the family business when you grow up? And I was Dick Scoggins' son. And I moved to Indianapolis cause I needed a little bit of, I knew I, did, I wanted to do my own thing. Mm. My dad passed away sadly about 15 years ago from cancer, gone way too soon. In his absence I realized the Lord filled that. Filled, I realized my identity is not in my own dad, but it's in my heavenly Father. Oh, wow! I was suddenly yeah. I was removed from that. Yeah, and it was such a sad thing to lose my father. But I had to re—I had to figure out who I am now. And realizing that I am—I have my identity in Jesus Christ. I am a believer in the one true God, the God of the universe who knows me cares about me, cares about the most minute details of my day, loves me, wants the best for me. When I saw that and realized that, that freed me of any other perceived obligations I thought I might have. And I realized I'm just a member of this, this greater body of God's kingdom. This is my family. These are the ones that I am to serve and to love. And then they, and they will meet in turn It changed my idea. I've tried to share that with our son, identity in Christ. And I tried to tell my own son, don't follow in my footsteps, right? I'm going to try to set an example for you, have a job that's good, honest, do good, honest work and be a man of integrity. I'm going to try to set an example for you about what kind of a, what a man should be, but be yourself. Don't follow in my footsteps, son. God has a different plan for you and you're going to do greater things than me. Mm. So free yourself from that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. What a great message. I'd love to hear from Jack at some point what he, how he receives that and how that may have influenced his high school career and just his thought pattern. Hmm. Uh, Has he ever commented on that to you?
1: He's a pretty quiet kid, yeah. but he's a lot of fun, too. When we have our time together and we can get talking about Marvel movies or whatever, things that we have some fun together with, he's got a great sense of humor. He doesn't talk a whole lot. But he did say something really surprising the other day. He said he, he thinks there's that his mom and I still have wisdom that he wants to learn. Can you believe that? <laughs> right, can you believe that? Now, he's going to be embarrassed. Right? If anybody hears, I've actually said that out loud, but we were floored by that. We were like, wow. What a great compliment. (laughs) It was, it was. And I don't mean that to boast, but just to say, he's got got a great heart. The kid does, he really does. It gave me something to live up to. Mm. It it reaffirmed my role as a dad and realized, okay, my son's watching me. He still is looking for a little bit of (laughs) wisdom and guidance from his dad. So I need to live up to that. So
0: a question I like to ask, especially for anybody who may be listening and considering Christian schooling, they may have thoughts of, hey... No place is perfect. What are the challenges that that you and Heather have faced perhaps in sending Jack here and then just participating also in Kingsway, ICS? I love all the great stories and the encouraging stories and don't want to dig down to just find something just to give balance uh, to the story. But what are the challenges that you may have faced in sending your kids to Christian school?
1: That's a fair question. It's a question we should talk about. There haven't been a lot of deep challenges, no regrets at all. We, it's hard to really find what are some of the real big challenges. Okay, here are some questions that, that we talked about with Jack that Jack had for us before he came here. And that was, again, smaller school. He was really big into cross country. And also, he wanted to be in the band. He wanted to be in the marching band. He was really excited about maybe being in Avon's big marching band, mm-hmm. right? Okay, smaller school. So we're thinking about maybe a small Christian school or the big public school. Um, Let's just be honest. We don't have all the same programs. I don't think, at least not the same scale. We're maybe not going to be state champs in everything that we do, right? Um, so we talked through that. I shared with Jack. I said, let's say you go to the big school of 5,000 kids in the school. Hmm. Once you get into that school, you're going to find your classes. You're going to find your routine. You're going to meet three, four, five kids, a handful of kids, and those are going to become your core friends. Or you go to a small school, and you're going to – Find four, five, six kids, and they're going to become your core kids. My point was the core group that you're going to really interact with, it's going to be probably the same number, same size of kids. Mm-hmm. All the other 1,000 kids in the school, you, mm-hmm. you don't even get to know them. You won't get to interact with them. So are you missing anything? We wrestled with that question. Are you missing anything or not? And fortunately, and Jack has actually acknowledged this to us that he really enjoys and he's glad he's here. He's glad he's on this cross-country team. He's glad he played on, I think he played just one season with the baseball team, but he's glad to be on this cross-country team because he really enjoys the boys that he runs with and, and the girls, the whole team. It's a good group where they can support each other and and have that experience together in this in the smaller context. And, okay, are we going to, we're going to win the the state championship in cross country this year. Okay, probably not, but he's cool with that because he's got his own personal, he's got his PR he strives for. Mm-hmm. He's got his friends that he can encourage. So he's learned to look for those different rewards and he's learned that value of just participating in that group and that extracurricular activity mm. where you can build those relationships and and have those friendships that are really something special. And there's really there's something cool about being the small school at the big cross-country meets against some of the bigger schools there's something fun about that being a little bit of the underdogs you do your thing yeah you support each other you cheer each other on yeah you have a great time doing it and uh fortunately in jack's case he actually i think acknowledged to us here recently that he's glad now he's glad he's in this school and not in a bigger school with several thousand kids i think he sees the difference in the culture here uh, this environment has lived up to our our hopes and our expectations for our son Wow,
0: that's great. Not to um, make this a big commercial for... We're glad we're
1: here. And we're perfectly honest. We're glad we're here.
0: I, I am glad that you're here as well. And really, if it's a commercial for anything on a Transforming Lives podcast, we want to know what God's up to. And so we're celebrating that. And so glad to hear that through your family. Certainly. So closing question. For some, this is the hardest question. Okay. But one book you think everybody should read.
1: <laughs> okay. I could not think of one book. Uh, okay, the Bible, of course. Read the Bible, right? Mm. Now, th- there's the obvious answer, right? right. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just going to share what I've been doing and books that I've been reading. I have gotten really excited about apologetics Hmm. here in in the last few years, and so I've sought out books that that help give the history of our faith and answer a lot of those questions about our faith, and it's really been very exciting as I've learned about what the world was like for Paul in the years right after what happened in the books of Acts, not just what we read in the books of Acts, but what was the cultural environment at that time, as they were dealing with not only the, the Pharisees, but then also the Romans and all of that, and how did the church grow? How did we get our canon that we have now? How did the, the books of the Bible get into the Bible? Mm-hmm. All the historical questions. It, it's been fascinating. I mean, it's our human history. It really is. In fact, I heard even secular scholars, okay, non-believers, secular scholars, they will accept, I think, something like seven of Paul's books if you wanted to use those as reference for— it's historical documents. Yeah, as historical documents. They just recognize that, hey, it's actual good history. They recognize that, mm. and they don't argue that. So anyway, I would encourage people to look into apologetics and find some resources that help explain the story of how we know our Christian faith, because the world's going to hit us with questions that could really rack our faith. Yeah. One simple one is Buddha, for example. If you look and do a little bit of research on Buddha, you will find that history, at least— says that buddha was born of a virgin birth mm. buddha was around 400 years before jesus mm. and he was history says or at least his believers say he was born of a of a virgin birth mm. and the secular world would say so see the story of jesus is just copied after buddha and others like him mm. we do a little bit of research and you find out that okay yeah believers think that buddha is born of a virgin birth but there's no record of that belief until about 150 years after Jesus, oh, so even though there, you know there were believers in, in Buddha before Jesus, he was just he was a pagan god to be perfectly blunt. One of those pagan religions that existed before Jesus came on the scene, but there was no no talk of a, of a virgin birth in Buddha before that until Jesus. So then, when you look at the story a little deeper and you research it, you find out that oh wow okay so apparently what happened? Believers in Buddhism uh, thought Adopting oh hey that. this the Jesus guy he had, he was born of a virgin oh that's a cool story let's add that to Buddha. Mm-hmm. So it actually came after Jesus, and it happens time and time again. Every time there's a, a perceived conflict or, or contradiction in the Bible, when you look deeper at it and look at the, the context and understand, you realize there actually isn't. It actually is the most vetted document of, of antiquity out there. There's more copies of Bible scripture available to vet the story than any other document that we have of antiquity. Yeah. So I've been fascinated with, with apologetics. It's, okay. it's our human history.
0: Okay. Is there a particular title you would say, hey, start here? No, I really don't. (laughs) I don't don't have a particular title. Apologetics as a study. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Todd, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a delight to talk to
1: you. I've enjoyed this. Thank you.
0: All right. The Transforming Lives Podcast is a production of Covenant Christian High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. To discover more about minds enlightened, hearts inflamed, and lives transformed, visit our website at covenantchristian.org.